0: Well, hello to the Loudwater Outfitters community out there. Hope you're all having a great start to the week. Thank you for taking the time to stop by. So, what I thought I would do this week on this episode was revisit a uh, kind of like a short episode I did on my Palmetto podcast a few months back. And reasoning why is actually Mikey and I are getting ready to head down to this area. It's in Sumter County here in South Carolina. I believe we're going the weekend of the 24th, which is about a, well, actually it's about a week and a half roughly. So we're going to be heading down there to do a little work, some searching, putting some things together to see what we can find out and figure out. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to revisit this case, talk about it a little bit, and kind of rehashing everybody's memory, get it fresh. Hopefully everybody will start spreading the word around again say, hey, you know, remember this, they're coming down. Everybody check out the podcast, it'll be airing the 15th, which I'm recording this the day before, but it'll be the 15th of this month, and which is a Wednesday, so it'll be roughly a week and a half before we show up, so give everybody an opportunity, like I said, to kind of refresh things, pass along to other people, and uh, get ready, and hopefully we can figure something out, hopefully we can bring this family some type of closure. So again, that's what we'll be going over today, so do appreciate that. Thank everyone, for taking the time to stop by. We appreciate the following, the support. You know, if you haven't already, we'd greatly appreciate you to take the opportunity to go to your favorite platform and start following the podcast, following the Loudwater Outfitters Facebook page, would greatly, greatly help us a lot, and the YouTube channel under Loudwater Outfitter. I know I said this a few weeks ago. Just haven't had run into a couple little technical errors starting the Loudwater Outfitters podcast YouTube channel. Because I've been videoing these podcasts. Just haven't had a chance to, uh, well, I've been getting a lot of them edited and ready. Just had a couple issues getting the channel set up that it wouldn't let me do some verifications. Saying that I've got uh, too many accounts showing under my phone number, which is ironic because I don't use my phone number, so... That kind of worried me for a little bit. So I had to do a lot of search and make sure there wasn't a problem or, you know, I'd been hacked or something. So I think I pretty much got all the bugs and kinks worked out. So I'm getting ready to start that up in the channel and get everything going. So stay tuned. Keep an eye out for that. I think you'll like it. Like I said, the ones I've already done, have them ready. We'll start posting them on there. Then every week as we do a podcast or any other time we do one, film it and we'll upload it to the, uh, the new YouTube podcast channel. So thank you so much. Just to remind everybody that, hey, you are listening to the Loudwater Outfitters podcast hosted by myself, the Palmetto Sleuth. So again, everyone, thank you so much. Thank you for joining the show. So what we're going to do is jump right in. So we're going to talk about Brent Garcia. He went missing. Sorry, everybody. My mouth is a little dry. It's like I'm dehydrated, which I'm not. Anyway. Been doing a lot, I was doing some other recording earlier this morning, did a lot of talking, so I was kind of drying my mouth and throat out, I guess. So Mr. Garcia, Jackson Brent Garcia, is that what he went by, Sumter County, South Carolina, went missing December 26th of 2020. So again, to kind of reiterate a few things, those of you that don't know or aren't familiar with it, uh, his mother, Angel... 'Cause this actually had made it to Dateline and a, a couple of shows. Uh, basically she was staying, you know, kind of pretty much a typical Christmas morning. He had uh, you know, helped her around the house, around the kitchen, you know, the typical family coming over, everybody opens gifts, has some Christmas dinner, Christmas lunch, or, you know, the th- the usual Christmas meal. And uh at the time he was eighteen and and I remember this too, that there was really nothing out of the ordinary. Nobody remembers anything out of the ordinary, how he was acting. If he seemed nervous, anxious, nothing, just, just typical Brent for the day, no big deal. So nothing to alert anybody or raise a suspicion or an eyebrow wonder, you know, is something wrong or what's going on? Nothing to that effect at all. He, uh, he was gonna be staying at her house, but he ended up leaving to go over to his cousin's house that day. And which actually this I believe would have been that would have been Christmas Day the twenty fifth. So, uh let's see, he he went over there, hung out, and I think they said somewhere, you know, towards early evening, late afternoon, five, six o'clock, somewhere around there, he uh he had spoken with his grandmother and I'm just kind of I, I typed up a few notes here to kind of refresh my memory, so that's why I'm looking over here to uh, make sure I get everything correct. Uh, yeah, again, it told her that he had been over to his cousin's house playing games, probably video games, and uh, but he's going to be coming home here in just a little bit. But never returned, never sh- showed up to the grandmother's house that night. Uh, tried calling, didn't get in touch with him or didn't get an answer from him, which all the family states that's very unusual for him because he was the type to just to typically keep in touch with somebody or everybody in the family on a very regular basis. Pretty much stated that he never went anywhere without letting somebody know. I do remember this sister having said one time before that because he ended up like leaving his phone at his cousin's house. She's like, that was definitely not right. He, he never did. Everywhere he went, he was like that phone. He had that phone with him, which I can believe. I mean, we all do that. I mean, I do that. I'm 53 years old now, and I can't even walk out of the room without grabbing my phone. So it's just, it's a muscle memory habit type of thing because, you know, our lives are so ingrained into our smartphones now. Everything we do almost revolves around that. So not unusual. Uh, now Brent's mother. Yeah, they, they did state that the the cousin was the last one to have any type of contact with him. And what I remember, and yeah, yeah checking my notes again, the uh, he and the cousin had taken the dog outside. I guess it was his cousin's dog had taken it outside. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, to let it go to the bathroom or, or what have you. But then a short time later, the cousin went back in the house. Brent never returned. Brent never came back in. And, you know, obviously the cousin checked. You know, I don't know whether he went back outside or looked outside, hollered for him, what have you, not really sure. But Brent was no longer there. That's when everything became kind of odd or suspicious. That's when they realized that, you know, he left his phone. He left some of his belongings w- within his cousin's house. Uh, now it was roughly, well, it was about two days later before they actually officially reported him missing, uh, which would have been to the Sumter County Sheriff's office. You know, the, the mother, I think she was obviously after a couple of days, yeah, now she's very concerned. So i uh, kind of one of those situations where it was just, you know, enough's enough, can't take this anymore, you know, something's just not right, so she finally calls to report. Uh, With that being said, it was stated that there were several sightings of Brent uh, around the Sumter, Camden area. I said I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm going to say it anyway. When I first looked at this a few months ago, I was just curious about some things within the state of South Carolina, which is where I reside. And this one, when I was looking through the through the internet, it just popped up and popped out. Then I saw something about there was a podcast. I was curious. I said, oh, okay, well, somebody's done a podcast on this. And then I saw this about Dateline. So I now, you know, my curiosity's up. There was a short podcast done on it by some, I don't know, some people, group. It would have been... Well over two years ago, I think it was almost a year after he went missing. So now it's been, I think at the end of 21, so a little over a year ago, a year and two or three months ago. So I thought I would listen to it. And by the end of it, I was so mad. That's when I decided I'm going to do one on this myself, but I'm going to do it the right way. Because the bottom line, you could tell they're just trying to drive some ratings. They were dramatizing it, you know, trying to get, I don't know, new followers, listeners, whatever. But they were spewing out things that there was no factual proof to them. It was stated that, you know, he may have been seen in this area. He may have been seen in that area. There was nothing that was factually proved by family, close friends or relatives, obviously, or very importantly, law enforcement. It was just people, the typical get on social media and start saying a whole bunch of crap. But this particular group that did this podcast spewed all that bunch of ridiculousness out. And that is one thing I can't stand. And I've said this in many episodes before and on my podcast. One thing that I cannot stand is those that get on social media and just start spewing out just rumors Making up stuff, hearing something, it's getting twisted. Because I can guarantee you, as soon as someone tells the story, it's twisted, you know, the first time it gets told to somebody else and then on and on and on. But the point I'm trying to make to that is that absolutely makes law enforcement's job a lot harder, way harder. Because now you've got all these alleged sightings, these alleged areas where he may have been, you know, all these stories rumors, what have you, that they had to expend so much time and effort to track them down, to see if they're viable or not, basically to prove or disprove them. So you're tying up a lot of time for law enforcement with this stupid social media, let's just say a whole bunch of crap stuff, because it's almost like there's some people out there that are just dying to be the first one to say, oh, I saw him or or her or whatever the, the case or situation is. It's like there's people just, just, you know, chomping at the bit to be the first one to say something, and I'm trying to remember what recent case it was to where, oh my gosh, y'all, it just went right out of my head. But there was something like that here very recently to where somebody made up where they had, I, you know, it might have no, I would say it might have been that young that girl out of uh, Arizona, but I don't know if it was her anyway, there was one where someone had gotten on social media or, or no, I think actually had contacted family, law enforcement, all of that, and said that they had all this information. They saw the person, that they knew all this stuff and come to find out it was all false. This person's stupid, ignorant, immature excuse was, well, I just felt so bad for the family. I was just trying to give them hope. Oh, yeah, you gave them hope, and then you completely dashed it on the rocks of a raging sea, raging ocean. Way to go. You, you really fixed that situation. So, that you know, as you can tell, I get really heated up about the social media stuff because it can be a great thing, but more times than not, it's used and twisted in the wrong way, and it makes things more difficult. It It, it, it mires the muddy water, if you will. So... I get very agitated when people do things or say things on there, obviously for attention or for drama or for ratings, followers, that type of thing. Report the actual facts. If you don't have it, keep your mouth shut. That's the best way to do this. So, yeah, I got a little riled up about that when I listen to that, when I'm getting riled up again, so I better watch out. (laughs) But, so that's what got me interested in this and involved in this. And then since then... We've talked with the family. They reached out. We reached out, and we've done some interviews with them. We've been doing some looking at things. So we're hoping we're hoping to finally come up with something. Now, ironically, and having been a couple of years since he went missing, when we talked with the family, we interviewed with them, they were talking about that one of the last places they thought that he may have been seen was... Because they're thinking there's a possibility he may have caught a ride with somebody, or, or who knows, maybe he's been forced into a car with somebody. None of us were there, so we, we, we really don't know. There can be so many scenarios to this situation. But this particular place where alleged that he may have last been seen, may have, been got, may have gotten into a fight, or somebody jumped on him and tried to beat him up, or what have you, they were going, I think they'd already, law enforcement had been to that residence More than once prior. And by prior, I mean, you know, since he went missing prior to our interviewing them, they've been out there for, but from what we understand, they were going back out there again with another warrant to do with this case. So seems to be a lot of interest with this particular residence and this address. You know, and the sad thing is, and God, you know, I'm not trying to be negative Nelly here, but with these missing person cases, when you have very, very little to go on, it, it's very difficult to work these and try to get some type of an answer or, or, or you know, an ending to it or a lead or something to something tangible, incredible. It's it's hard unless, obviously, somebody that knows something, heard something, saw something, what have you, will come forward. If that doesn't happen, then there's. There's not a whole lot that anybody can do. We've seen several where, you know, families have hired private investigators after law enforcement's done their thing because they feel like, you know, they're not getting anywhere. Private investigators don't get anywhere either. The bottom line is, you know, it's not so much that law enforcement isn't or can or is not doing their job. A lot of it is that we're starting to see more and more as we delve into these things more and more. A lot of it is just just like what we're looking at, they don't have a lot of information, a lot of evidence, a lot to work with or go on. But that being said, we have come across many that Michael and I were just like dumbfounded and shocked that no one looked into security systems in the area. Case in point, the one we did a little research into in Greenville, oh man, several weeks ago. We rode the area where it was stated that she had walked up and down a couple of times. So the area that she had been in, and even two or three streets around there just in case, because you know, you know, we weren't there, so we don't know exactly which streets this person went up and down. But it's like pretty much every house, every other house has one of those ring doorbell systems. And if they don't have, they probably got the blink camera systems, you know, those little teeny tiny square ones that are, It's a cheap little kit, three or four cameras, but they work great, easy to install, works off the Internet, quick and easy. Nothing, apparently, none of that was checked. And we do know, based on what family told us, the couple of areas they know for a fact that she had been and had been seen we checked those, and there were so many of these camera systems. There's was like one house after the other. Matter of fact, there was a fire station nearby that had one heck of a security system. Now, if that fire system or if that security system was up and running back when this first happened, not 100% sure, but several businesses, security systems, from what we've understood, the paperwork that we've seen, we've read, everything we've looked at, there's hardly, rarely no mention of going and checking in all of these different camera systems. Yes, is it is it very labor labor involved? Is it aggravating? Does it take a lot of time? Absolutely. But last time I looked, we were talking about, you know, a life here, a human, a human life. So isn't that worth anything and everything? Not You know, it's too aggravating. I'm not going to do all that. Or, you know, it's another dope head or another pill head or whatever. So, you know, does that go through somebody's mind? So I'm not going to put that much effort into it and go check all these cameras because we deal with this person all the time or what have you. I don't know. But I do know that those camera systems have been around for several years. And when this happened, they were definitely, they had already become popular. So, I would be willing to stake everything I've got that there were several of residential camera systems in the area where she was seen two or three different times that recorded something. Who knows? Could have been exactly what was needed. We do know that particular individual was when they left out of the emergency room at the hospital because all this was around the Greenville Hospital system. They were seen getting into kind of like an older blue minivan. Don't know who was in it. They know that she got in the vehicle, sat there for a short period of time, then got back out and left. Maybe she was trying to get something. Maybe somehow got in contact with this person that came by. Maybe she just recognized it and went up to it and hopped in, or maybe it, didn't, it wasn't anybody she knew, and she just hopped in trying to get a ride, and they said, no, get out. I don't know. There, again, so many possibilities and scenarios of that situation. What's to say that maybe that person, Vehicle didn't show back up later. See her, recognize her, offer her a ride, and rode her out of there and off into the sunset, never to be seen again. Several possibilities. Saying all that to say this: all these different camera systems and out and that whole area, all these different streets, businesses, everything that we saw. I can about guarantee you somewhere in there, one or two, maybe even three of them or so, picked up probably what could have been. Crucial evidence, like, I don't know, license plate number to the vehicle. Maybe it picked up a decent or good picture of the driver. But don't know unless you check those things. If it doesn't get checked, out the door, it's over and done. Two, three, four, five years later, you know, those systems don't, you know, hold storage for 10, 15 years. Most things re-record or rewrite after 15 days, 30 days, what have you. Some might be able to make them go longer, a couple months. But in my experience as law enforcement, a lot of places we dealt with it seemed that the common answer seemed to be everybody every 14, 15 days or every thirty days. It just kinda it kinda rewrote because with video, obviously that's a lot of storage, a lot of gigabytes storing. All of that, especially if they're set up automatic, you know, to motion. So they have to rewrite fairly quickly. So pretty much, you know, probably could have had something there, but it's gone now. Nothing was done the way it should have been, so oh well. So the same thing here, you know, this was a couple of years ago. You know, did did somebody pick him up? Did somebody force him in a vehicle? Did he just, I mean, it just seems odd that he would just decide to walk off and leave or go somewhere to go do something and leave his keys and his phone and all that stuff. That, That just doesn't sound right. Leaning more towards... It was probably a non compliant situation where he didn't have a choice. So, what all did he pass? What all did they drive by? Do any of these things have camera systems? Were there businesses? Did they pull up into a business? Could have been on camera. Again, I know this is tedious work, but that's the whole point. That's what law enforcement does. That was our job. Our job was to think of all these things. And do all this legwork because investigative work is not everything you see on TV. Even uniform patrol is not what you see on TV. You know, the bang, bang, shoot them up and all the chases and fightings and putting people in handcuffs and putting them in jail and all this, you know, adrenaline rushing stuff. That happens every so often, more often than not, especially around here in the South. You might get something like that every couple of three weeks in these smaller agencies. Sometimes, maybe none. There's some officers out there making travel stops trying to make something happen to stay awake, you know. But especially with investigation, you're doing a lot of sitting at that desk, pouring over information, doing, you know, typing up things, doing stuff on the internet, talking with people on the phones, interviewing people, recording these things running down these leads, you're doing a lot of that to include you should be going out there and hitting the road and checking all these places, you know, coming up with not just what what people may have said or told you they may have seen somebody or a vehicle leave or whatever the case is. Think of all the scenarios surrounding it. That's your job is to look at every avenue, every aspect. Could have been this way, could have gone that way, could have done this, could have done that. Were there cameras in any of those situations? Pull them, get them, get it handled, do what you got to do to get it done. Because the cool thing is if you check all that and there's nothing there, well, guess what? Now you have completely dispelled and ruled that out. So somebody were to bring it up later or a boss man or somebody said, oh, I know they were over here. I know. Well, no, actually they weren't. I, I got several pieces of footage from several cameras in that area and There was absolutely nothing there. Because now you've made yourself look even better as an officer, as an investigator, because you're very thorough. You checked and done everything, but we're finding more and more there is a ton of that not being done with lots of these cases. Lots of camera footage that probably, no, let me rephrase that, could have possibly given a clue or an answer to some of these cases that we've that have been given to us or people have reached out to us about but things weren't done for whatever reason and I get it you know budget constraints manpower constraints real busy I get all that but sometimes you got to prioritize things and sometimes like y'all have heard me preach this a few times before you know this whole situation and thing about missing persons it, it needs to be revamped. We need to rewrite the whole process on how these things are approached, handled, taken care of from, from the first second. Instead of this, come back 24 hours, we'll talk to you in 48 hours. Get them out the door, get them out of your face. Just the way, it, you know, missing persons are still, you know, being missing obviously is not a crime. I get that. I understand that. I think a lot of is looked at as well, you know they are just there's nothing illegal about being missing, especially if it's an adult, or some of them are dumb enough to even say, well, you know it's 14, 15, 16 year old juvenile. They still think they're old enough and okay enough and mature enough to take care of themselves or do whatever. And I think a lot of is looked at that way. Boy, how stupid can that be? I understand that it's not a crime to be missing, but maybe a crime was purported when this person, Became missing. Ever think about that one? That's why it's very important to look into these immediately and report them immediately. Get that information in reports. Get it into NCIC. Get it out there. Start moving. Let's start doing things because time is crucial. But as we're finding time and time again, time don't mean squat, apparently. And that crucial time has come and gone. Something could have been found. Something could have been seen. Something could have been videoed, what have you. And now we've missed it. And, you know, the same thing applies here with Brent. You know, th- there were rumors, and again, rumors, that they may have seen him in an area of Camden. They may have seen him around a couple businesses. Well, okay, if any of that was true, did, uh, same thing. Did anybody go and check and look for security footage in that area? See if there were any homes in the area that may have picked it up. or I don't know, does that... Do they have traffic cameras around that area? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't live down there, but something to think about. But was any of that done? Apparently it wasn't. Again, back to that crucial time period thing, or if, you know, if you're given something or told something or you hear this, you gotta check it, you gotta run it all down because what if is what if that one piece of information where they saw him here is correct? It was seen. You didn't check it, you missed it. Missed who they were with, missed the vehicle that maybe or maybe not they were in, and maybe or maybe not had gotten a license plate number. What have you? Well, now it's been rewritten over because storage is used up every two weeks or what have you, and now it's gone. Missed out on resolving this whole situation. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that was the case here. I'm saying th- these are possibilities. These are scenarios that, that, that can happen, that, that can arise, and... Sorry, I got to move over here just for a second. That's the whole point I'm making. Is you know, when law enforcement first gets these things, they've got to jump on them immediately. I don't care how small your agency is, how you know understaffed, what have you, you've got. You have a basic function as a law enforcement officer, and that is when somebody comes to you requesting help, needing help, calling you for service. At the bare minimum, cover your butt. And at least do a report in a situation like this. Go ahead and get it in NCIC. However, your agency or your county, your region, whatever, whatever policies there are to get them in NCIC, do it. You're here in the county of the jurisdiction where I worked. You know, the sheriff's office handled all NCIC stuff. So if you had a missing person, they sent everybody out these forms for juvenile or for adults. You filled the form out compared, you know, obviously based off of what it was and you can send it back to them with a copy of the report and any other information you've got. They've got everything they need. They enter it into the system, and they'll email you back, usually the NIC number, which is the number associated with that person's case and being an NCIC nationally. So now we've got a number associated with them that goes out to all the other agencies. Pretty simple. And... Worst comes to worst, if everything turns out to be okie-dokie, they show back up, you know, whatever, they just forgot to tell mom, went hanging out with the buddies or, or what have you, and come back, fine. So what, you wasted 30 minutes? You know, if you're horrible at doing reports and paperwork and you hate doing paperwork and you're just, you know, procrastinating an hour, and then spend five minutes calling them up, emailing them up, however this, however that works with them, say, hey, you know, everything's cool showed back up here's the number. can you remove them of ncic they do what they got to do send you you know you do a quick supplement and you're done guess what you're on shift for 12 hours is it going to kill you to actually do your job you know four hours into your shift eight hours even 10 hours into your shift do your job while you're there that's what you're there you're first responder you're not first oh first one to go get a cup of coffee and chillax and relax over here at the whatever little cricket and talk with you know half the town or whatever because they think it's cool they get to hang out with the police and talk to them no do your job you're paid to do your job not drink coffee and talk to everybody so yeah i'm on my high horse today i'm a little agitated thinking about this type of thing because it just seems to be a common occurrence over and over and over but what do we have the same common occurrence, people missing, nothing getting done, no information, information that may have been there that's gotten missed because people are slack, lazy, or don't care, just aren't thinking, don't know how to do their job properly, don't want to do it because there's so much involved, and things get missed. Things get messed up, and now this young man, two years over two years ago. I mean, how many other ones? One we've got, oh, man, over here in the Williamston area, Pelzer-Williamston area, going on six, seven years. When we were up in uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio area, well, goodness. That was back from, I think, oh, man, 2000. I think he's going on 16 years. Come across others from the 70s. I mean, just it, it, the list will just go on and on and on. We, we've got to figure something out. We, we've got to figure out what what does it take to change this? Well, as I've said before, the change is going to come from people like you, people like us, activating, being activists, telling, talking, you know, hitting your public, your elected officials to bring these concerns and issues and problems. You know, families coming together with several missing and saying, hey, you know, th- this is what's happening when we're it's just like nobody cares. Nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing that. We're being told to come back and you know, 24 or 48 hours, but then we're being told by another police officer that, you know, the first 48 hours are the most crucial. And the ironic thing, there's a TV show called 48 Hours or the first 48. Guess what that means? They get a case, a murder case, and the first 48 hours are some of the most is the most crucial time. You know, trying to track somebody down, running evidence, getting, gathering evidence, trying to sift their evidence and trying to figure something out real quick. Huh. How ironic is that, that the first 48 hours are very crucial. Same thing with a missing person. Very, very crucial. And it gets kicked to the curb time and time again. And I, for one of just sick and tired of that happening and hearing that same thing from these poor families because there's a lot of law enforcement that just are not doing their job. You know, if you're underpaid and you don't want to do your job because you're underpaid, then by grannies, get out of it. Go do something else. Go to Walmart, greet people, or sell electronics. But get out of the way and don't cause family more misery because you don't want to do your job or you're too lazy or you don't know how to do it. You don't want to know how to do it. So th- there's a lot involved here, but it's going to take those type of things. Being an activist and hitting the elected officials and getting these stories out there, getting public, 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 and saying things constantly using social media to say things like what we're trying to do that's it you know that, that's that's about the only way we're going to be able to bring about some kind of change is it going to stop this type of an epidemic from happening no hopefully it at least will slow it down hopefully it will at least make people more aware and pay more attention hopefully you know it will make people A little more sympathetic to to just how serious this situation is. And hopefully, it'll make law enforcement and not all are like this, don't get me wrong, but those that that are problematic about it, hopefully, it'll wake their eyes up or wake them up, open their eyes, what I mean. But also, hopefully, all this will bring about change and start putting together a process, a standardized process for this thing. Not just, it needs to be across the country. You know, we do standardized field sobriety testing for DUIs. Why are we not doing some type of a standardized uh, process for missing persons, especially with children? You know, you had the whole Amber Alert thing that come up in Texas back in, what, in the 90s, mid-90s, over that young, that young girl. Y'all are probably going to be shocked when I tell you this. And then again, you're probably not. But the Amber Alert system is not the same from region to region or state to state. Some people, some areas, regions, states, what have you, they have different guidelines and processes on how that's, that's used, how it's, you know, brought about and activated when something comes up. Same thing that that, that needs to be a standardized. Uh, this is absolutely what happens. This is what's going to happen with this when, when this when this scenario takes place. Quite honestly, I don't think that should be, Amber Alert should be just for children. If you want to call it something else, well, I know there's something called like Silver Alert for the elderly, but how about the rest of us in between? How about a, we haven't forgotten about you alert or something? I don't know, but you got Amber, Silver, we in between. You know, we haven't quite, well, I've got a lot of gray hair, so we'll call it, you know, the medium gray alert or, you know, I don't know, the black alert, blue, something like that. I know, I'm being kind of goofy, but... There needs to be something like that, period. Not just doing a report and getting it into NCIC, but, you know, we got it. we've got to figure something out to get things more visible, more, more vocal, more heard. I mean, good Lord, why are we not developing something for social media? See that right there? Like, pretty much everybody's got one that little joker go off if there's like a tornado or you know know how annoying that little sound goes off when your phone does that and starts shaking and you can't you know you're trying to throw it across the yard because it's so loud you know for a tornado warning or alert or something that affects severe thunderstorm what have you why are we not doing that when somebody gets reported missing, gets officially put into the system, NCIC, why is this not going out across, at least across social media? If you, you, the, the phone alerts are the same thing. The phone would be the easiest, best way to do it. You know, the, the, they sure can get hold of your number to automatically do the, the tornado alert or what have you because I don't want to hear this about, well, people would have to opt in. I think somebody's life is pretty doggone serious. I mean, we we do an alert system for like I said for the tornadoes to warn people to save their lives. So why could we not do the same thing with a missing person and it automatically go out to possibly save their life? They've got their numbers. I mean, we already know that. I mean, goodness. They got more than our numbers. I mean, got information to our firstborn, and those that haven't had somebody born yet they've still got their information so it, it, it's very easily done they can do it they've already got it it's just simply setting up that program and do it when something gets officially entered into the ncic system as a missing person especially juveniles why are we not advocating to do that and I absolutely think that's what we need to be doing. We need to be pushing for that, and it's going to take people like you and me to push for that, to push our senators, our congressmen, representatives, you know, the kids that run up and down the hall, at, you know, Washington, D.C., the White House, whatever. We've got to push for that, and that's the only way it's going to get done if we push, push, push enough and have enough of a voice that they realize, well, you know, We're the ones that put you in that position. We we voted for your sorry butt. How about do your job? Do what we need and want you to do. But instead, you know, it's like a career to them, and they they do what they're going to do, how they want to do it. They lobby all this stuff, and we kind of get kicked to the curb. Well, it's time for us to start doing the kicking. It's time for us to change things, people. It's time to get this information out there, start hitting up our elected officials and let them know that there is a voice. We want to be heard. We're tired of this. We won't change. We want things fixed. So I'm sorry to the Garcia family. I absolutely got off on my soapbox today because just thinking about this again with Brent, thinking about that again with whoever those people were that did that first horrible podcast, I just got on my high horse again. So I don't know if I should be saying I'm sorry or if that's a good thing. But, you know, this is just getting out of hand. This is getting ridiculous. And we have got... To change this, I mean, we're talking about people's lives here. Why why would we not want to do everything we can to make it better and to protect people better and to help find people? I don't know. For some reason, that escapes me. That doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. But Brent's a big deal. You know, he's now 20 years old, wherever he is, 2021. Hopefully, we, we can find. Find him. Find some information. Help bring them closure. Something. You know, we, we do know that it, it was stated that there was. A, I think it was on the sheriff's office Facebook page. Which I, I don't. Know, I don't know why they wouldn't do a, a normal press release. Sometimes Facebook and using social media for some things is good. Sometimes it's bad. But they stated that. They did an aerial search, probably helicopter, just foot search and cadine searches for Brent in the last known location, which was, I guess, they say 15 South. That's going to be a road or a highway, Highway 15 South, you know, near and around that area. So, obviously, nothing was found. They didn't come up with anything. The... I know the family has said you know once or twice you know some info or some things have come up, but nothing seems to come out of it or locate him or th- those leads or information doesn't really turn into anything. But the uh, the good thing, if that's what you can call, it, and I and I don't mean that in a bad way, it's just you hate you hate for something like this to have to come up. Or you hate for something like this to have to happen for something good to come out of something. But there's this group that started on Facebook called Brent's Army. And something with the family. And what that was, obviously, in the beginning was they were trying to conduct searches. They, in other words, they were taking matters in their own hand because they weren't getting a lot of help, weren't seeing a lot of help from the L.E. From the community. So they did that to start searching for Brent themselves, and they did a lot of searching on their own. But then over time, it has, it has grown. The Facebook group has grown. There was at one point they raised, I think, $10,000 or more to be a uh, as a reward for information about Brent's situation. I know that they... They, they they've morphed into a, a pretty big, I guess you could say, like an advocation group. So th- that's a good thing. I hope they use that no matter what ends up happening with Brent, found or not. I, I hope they will use that for good, not just for this situation, but for other people. And from what I understand that they are doing, they're trying to bring more awareness because I think there's roughly about 20 or more people missing out of Sumter County. That's it's a lot. That's kind of concerning. That's just kind of kind of odd. What's what's the deal with that? Why are there so many in such a small county, small community? Why are there so many people missing? Kind of raises the eyebrow a little bit. So you need to do a little bit more looking into this. Uh, now the the family was given a small piece of land. I'm assuming somewhere around one, you know one of the county. Buildings, the courthouse, county admin building, something like that. Where they kind of built this like little memorial, had some uh, some nice little benches and like a lamp, three-post lamp and a little monument. But it was basically dedicated to the whole situation of, of missing persons, but it started with Brents. I thought that was pretty neat. You can check that out. Uh, you know, a, a, again, you know, 20 people. And we, we've heard a, f- a few things. Some people, I guess some different people that know the situation have just talked about, you know, that there's a lot of things that happen in this county that, that go not necessarily unnoticed but unsaid and untalked about, unlooked into. I guess there's fear that, of retaliation. So it does raise an eyebrow make you wonder about a lot of what's going on down there. We were told some facts about this case to do with who's worked the case in the past and relations to other people and things like that, that absolutely raised the hair on my arms and made me do a little bit of thinking. So there's a lot of, lot of negative issues with this, a lot of issues that, that I have with it that have probably hampered this going in the direction that it needs to go. So that that does make you wonder a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, another thing, there was, I'm trying to remember what it was. I was hoping, apparently I forgot to write it down here. But it was another one of these social media pages. Oh, my gosh, I wish I can remember. But basically, somebody had gotten on there and posted about how they, they had seen that Brent had gotten beat up. They were he was some location a party or something like something to that effect, but th- that they saw a video that was posted on this particular social media site where he was beat up and like stabbed, apparently killed, and thrown into this vehicle, and they left. Said all this stuff. Well, somebody got on there and called him out on it. Is it like, well, you know, started questioning, saying this, that, and other, and you know, basically you're spewing out a bunch of information that you don't have facts to, don't know about, and then this person, oh, 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 my bad, you know, I was was just trying to hurry up and get this information out of there, and I said some stuff too quickly or something to that effect. In other words, you're another one of those rumor mongers. You just want to say some crap to get things started or to get people riled up or be the first one to say something and dramatize something, and now you're putting that family through more crap You know, more hell, more just stress and worry, and now this is something more that the sheriff's office has got or whatever law enforcement agency it is has to track down, prove, or disprove. So that's what I was saying earlier. You know, the social media thing and people getting on there is just absolutely can be a huge hindrance. And I just wish people would learn to leave well enough alone, shut their mouth if you don't know, you don't have facts, can't prove anything, just shut up and leave it alone. But that's impossible to do, especially in this day and time. So again, you know Brent. He had brown hair at the time. I think he was hair, His hair was kind of longish. Had brown eyes. He's five eleven. He weighed around one hundred seventy pounds at the time. Like I said, he was eighteen around then. So now he would be about twenty. I was trying to find his birthday. For some reason, I forgot to put that on here. So, but he he, he should be right around. He should be twenty years old right now. So. You know, guys, if anybody knows anything, if anybody has seen anything, if you've overheard anything, it doesn't matter, anything of that nature. If you know something, please say something. If you're worried about retaliation, if you're worried about it getting back that you've said anything, you don't have to say anything. Write it down somewhere, You know, something. Get a magic marker and, you know, Put yourself upside down and write it upside down so it looks all weird and awkward, don't look like your handwriting, whatever it takes. I know I'm being a little goof, but do something. Go stick that, that anonymous note with the proper information in the right mailbox or something. Do something. Help this family. If you know something, help this family get this closed and over and done with. If you know anything about the other 19 people that are missing in this community, Say something, have some backbone, do the right thing, step up to the plate like God wants you to do, wants us to do, to be the right people, to do the right thing, and tell somebody, let somebody know, get that information out there. I just don't know what else, I don't know how else we're going to be able to solve and fix these situations, these type of issues, unless those that do know... Well, come forward and say something. Send us a message on our, on our Loudwater Facebook if you want to. You know, go make ups, you know, a, a fake site. Whatever you got to do, I don't care. Get the proper information to us. We don't care who you are. We just want information that will help resolve this situation and hopefully one or more of the other 19. That would be wonderful. just takes people being an adult, doing the right thing, stepping up the plate having a backbone, and, and again, do what's right. That would really be awesome right now. So to the family of Mr. Garcia, we we know this is tough. We pray for you guys. We're going to do everything we can. I promise you that. I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say except keep doing what you're doing the way that you've been doing. You know, you're hanging in there just like the, the Thrasher family up in Williamston, one heck of a strong family. That mother, she, she's not giving up no matter what. There, we, we do come across a lot that are like that, and that's all you can do and can be. You, you've got. It's going to be up to people like you to be an activist, I guess you could say, and advocate for some of these situations. But you know, hang in there. We'll do anything and everything we can to help you throughout this. Don't give up on it. Our thoughts and prayers are absolutely with you. You hit brick walls. Hit brick walls with law enforcement. Don't let that be the end. If you think you've got to go over their head and go to elected officials and say what you need to say, absolutely do it. Do what you think. Bottom line is that's a human life that you want answers to. Do what you've got to do. We'll absolutely help you if we need to. So, again, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all taking the time to stop by and listen up and see what we've got going on this week with this episode. We appreciate all the followers and the support. If you haven't already, if you get a moment, please, please, please go to our podcast. Whatever platform you listen to them. start following, it doesn't cost you a dime. Same thing with any social media sites. You know, go to our YouTubes, subscribe to them, our Facebook, Loudwater, follow. It's all you got to do. We greatly appreciate it because I promise you it's going to help us in the long run with this whole process of being able to help more and more people. And it shows that there are people out there who do care, who do support, and who do want to see change. We thank you so much. You guys have a great weekend coming up. Keep your families close. If you know something, say something. And as always, stay safe. Thank you.